Jesus, the all-present and the all-knowing anointing, is here. You are enthroned in our hearts, Lord Jesus. We are your body. Where is he? In you. You are the body of Christ. Where is he? In you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you feel the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit like thunder and lightning from the throne? You will. You will. The throne of grace is the morning star that Peter says rises in your heart. Read the scriptures. Peter says, And the morning star, Jesus Christ is the bright and morning star. Revelation 22, I am the bright and morning star, Jesus Christ, rising in our hearts. That is the throne of God rising in our hearts. That's the four living creatures rising in our hearts. It's the cherubim rising in our hearts. It's the seraphim rising in our hearts. It's New Jerusalem rising in our hearts. It's the kingdom of heaven within you. Luke 17, 21, rising in our spirits and our souls, our hearts. Amen? Glory. People, get ready to experience a new level of grace. A few days ago, we were in Chipotle, and there were six of us, and everyone said they could feel the physical manifest rain of the anointing oil inside the restaurant. They said, I can feel the anointing dripping on my head. It's raining on my head. And every person in the whole restaurant was laughing and high. There's no high like the Most High. They were receiving the rain of Christ, the rain of the anointing oil. The tree of life rains fresh anointing and fresh oil. This is the rain of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the oil of heaven, the oil of Christ. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good and healing everyone who was under the power of the devil. Acts 10.38. Amen? The Holy Spirit is the anointing. And you let the throne of grace rise in your heart until you reign the anointing from your heart. It's not just so you feel good. It's so you can heal the nations. He wants you to feel good. Okay, don't get me wrong. He wants you to feel high all the time. Everyone in the cloud of witnesses is in perfect ecstasy and perfect bliss, and we want on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Jesus endured the shame and the scorn of the cross, endured it for the joy or ecstasy. The word joy is also ecstasy that was set before him. When he flew up into the cloud, he flew up into ecstasy. Acts chapter 1. And when the disciples saw the Lord Jesus, they were filled with ecstasies. John 20, 20, that's what it says in Greek. They were filled with ecstasies. The ecstasies of Jesus Christ is just encountering the Father. Normal Christianity. Written four times in the book of Acts. And Peter fell into an ecstasy, which is the word trance. Ecstasis. Which means that the glory realm over whelmed his natural realm for that time. But how many people want their natural realm continuously overwhelmed? So you only live in ecstasy. I've been in that state for 11 years, 24-7, in ecstasy. 
for 11 years. Through all hell on earth, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. They could be chopping your legs off and you'd be in ecstasy like the martyrs in the first century. You know, they'd be boiling people in oil or they would release bowls and they'd gore some of the Christians in the Colosseums and in Rome and they'd be missing their limbs, they'd be torn in half and they'd be like, did they release the bowls yet? They didn't even know they were like decapitated. They didn't even know they were torn in half. I mean, that's the kind of ecstasy you want to live in where you have just no pain of the natural realm, no death of Satan in your hearts, no fear of the devil in your heart, just God, just ecstasy, just the Lord. You know, that's what it really means to have no other gods besides Him. Meaning, you have nothing inside your spirit and your soul except Jesus. And Jesus entered the joy, so you should have nothing in your soul except joy. John says that your joy may be complete and your joy may be overflowing. Why did Jesus come? He tells you in the Gospel of John. He says, I have come that your joy may be complete. But there's so many things to be sad about, yeah? But that's not why Jesus came. Jesus came so you could overcome those sad things, so that all sorrow and sighing can flee away, so you can rise above the natural dimension of sorrows and sadnesses into the realm of His joy, the realm of His glory, the realm of ecstasies. Amen. That's normal, biblical, day one Christianity. Okay, in Acts chapter 2, when they received the Holy Spirit, laughing tongues of fire, they were drunk men. The Bible says they had to explain to everyone, we haven't been drinking alcohol. So that's the first day or the foundation day of Christianity. Amen? That they stayed in Jerusalem until they received power from on high. They received the Spirit of Jesus. They received the cloven tongues of fire. They received the seven spirits of God. They received the messianic anointing. They received the joy of the Lord, their strength. And they got their loins girded with the strength of the Almighty, with the ability that makes God, God. And they put on the full armor of God, and it took them about 50 years to figure it all out. And then they wrote the New Testament explaining it for you and I, so we could read it to this very moment. Amen? Truth anyhow. <laughs> so you don't understand at first. You don't know at first. You believe and you receive at first. Then you walk in it and experience it for a while, like every single person in the Bible, and then you can teach it from experience. The truth of knowledge of good and evil doesn't have experience in it. It's just garbage. It's just information that has no life in it. The tree of life is experience first. The Apostle Paul says that you may actually come into the experience of God's love that is far greater than mere knowledge. That's scripture. That you may come into the experience of divine love. What's divine love? The new wine, the cup of the new covenant. That you may experience the glory of the Father's love in your hearts and in your minds and in your bodies because your bodies are the temples of His love. And hopefully you're experiencing His love. And if you're not, then you're experiencing demons. And that's why people are angry, and that's why people are mean and nasty all the time to, the, to us. I mean, we literally are martyred every day, broadcasting for 11 years. Several times a day, people kill us with everything they have in their hearts in absolute murder 
towards the Lord Jesus. You, you deal with it in public ministry every day. And you have to have the full armor of God on. Otherwise, that Cain and that murder, that religious devil that kills Abel, who's actually sacrificing from his heart, but Cain's only just externally sacrificing from the natural realm, that thing will cling to you. And you'll have the white tongues of Cain resting on your head. And you'll go into captivity, into Egypt, and into the wilderness with the snakes and scorpions, with the dead and the dying and the doubting and the unbelieving leaving. So if you don't have the full armor of God on, you go into captivity. You people can say, oh, these word curses, they're just stick, you know, words, words will never hurt me. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But these words are word curses. That's what sorcery is. Witchcraft and sorcery are the white and black tongues that got eliminated by the tongues of fire in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says they were cringing and cowering and funning fear, scared to even answer the door when they thought it was Peter. Oh, it's probably the centurion come to kill us all. You know? They wouldn't even open the door. It's Peter's angel. The book of Acts says they were so afraid of dying like Jesus died, their master is dead, that they were afraid to even answer the door. But after they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they were emboldened with power and proclaimed the gospel with boldness, with demonstrations of power, and with signs and wonders accompanying the preaching of the word. Amen? So you're going to have oil raining from the heavens? A few days ago I got up in the morning and there's something itching in my nose. This is wild. I just, I couldn't get it out and I just kind of waddled in a drunken glory haze, like a wine haze. That's, I live in that realm all the time. You can live in that realm too. You kind of just come down the stairs to put on some worship music on my computer. And I said, what is that? And I go, and a feather comes out of my nose and goes like this and lands on my keyboard. An angel feather popped out of my nose and flew out like this and landed on my keyboard. I said, what kind of realm are we living in here? You know, and that's the kind of stuff God likes to do, getting tickled in your nose with angel feathers. You know, it's like an irritation here. It's like, what is that? It's an angel feather. You got an angel feather in your nose. And you just blow it out, and it's, oh, what a way to wake up, amen? Wonderful. That's a sign and wonder. God did that for me because we like to have fun together. You know what? God's real. God has fun with us, His children, every single day. God did stuff like that with Adam and Eve every day. God wants to do stuff like that with you every day. God the Father will make Himself real to you. All you have to be is a son and daughter. All you have to do honestly is stay receiving of His love and grace and stop hardening your heart. You know, like the Israelites that died in the wilderness. That's literally the only thing you have to do to stay in the glory and go from glory to glory is not harden your heart. And it's, it's crazy how many people still harden their hearts. It's like, we were doing so well together. Who pulled you away? You're no longer flying in the chariot of fire with us. You're out there just all messed up. What pulled you away? Now you're into paranoia. You're into fear. You're into greed. You're into unrighteous mammon. You're into the world. You're into devils. I mean, the doors are always open to heavenly Jerusalem. You know, the Bible says that for the prodigals to come home. That the 12 gates, the 12 pearls of New Jerusalem that we carry as the priests of the Melchizedek order, 
We stand at the gates of the kingdom of heaven and keep the doors open and proclaim the eternal gospel from midair for all nations forever. I mean, I'm not going to proclaim judgment. I'm going to proclaim the gospel. And I'm going to proclaim peace. And judgment happens automatically when you preach the gospel. If people harden their hearts, the snakes just pull them down into hell. But if you harden your hearts, I'm telling you guys, there is a plenty of time to actually repent. I, I've seen people, and let them develop their own testimonies of coming out of the graveyard of religion, because there's testimonies being developed right now that are going to shake the world of people that should have been dead, buried, for many years, but are still here by the grace of Jesus, and they're beginning to soften their hearts from the religious spirit that's been killing them the entire time. Religion is the temptation to do something apart from the kingdom. To be good apart from the Father is the religious devil. It is. That's what hardens people's hearts. It's only one devil. It's the religious devil. You don't need to worry about anything else. If you can stay religion-free and just stay in the glory, in the river, and in, in the newness of life springing up in your heart, and just constantly receiving His love and His grace towards your heart, and don't let the devil beat you up saying you need to earn it, you're not good enough, look at you, you smoked some weed, look at you, you know, you got into some sexual morality, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, you did, because you didn't trust God. It's a time of testing in the wilderness. But listen, don't go to the devil and stay beat up. Come into the gates of God and get washed. Come to the Father, all you prodigals, and get forgiven and washed. The devil is just going to keep beating you up. The, the devil is going to keep stealing, killing, and destroying your souls. You come to the Father in whatever condition you're in, and the Father loves you unconditionally. He sacrificed Jesus Christ on an altar for your sins so that there would be no separation no matter what kind of behavior, no matter what you've done, no matter how ashamed you are of your actions. If there's no condemnation. As you approach the Father like the younger prodigal son in Luke 15, you get washed in liquid glory. You'll feel it just in a turning of your heart, in a desire for the Father. The Father has perfect vision. He's all-knowing in His anointing oil. Meaning, anyone who turns in their heart and shows any interest whatsoever towards the Lord Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father, the Father knows in their heart instantly that they're turning. And the Father comes to you with angels, and the Father comes to you with apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists and pastors, and they help you, and they heal you, and they restore you, and they build you up, into the glory realm, out of the natural realm, into the glory realm, and the glory realm created the natural realm. The glory realm is superior in every way to the natural realm. The natural realm is the curse of the fall. No one was supposed to live in that realm. That realm was where Satan and his angels were, but Adam and Eve, according to Genesis, were in the glory realm, and, the, and Satan, that primal evil, was just a snake on the ground. But they were living in the cloud. They were above the devil in every way. And the devil had nothing on them, couldn't touch them. They were so high in the glory, so high in the love of the Father, so high in the grace of the Lord Jesus. But they didn't have revelation. So when they came out of the glory, they didn't know how to go back into the glory to get above the snakes, to get above Satan, the accuser, to get above the religious devil, 
to get above the slavery to the flesh. And they got stuck in the flesh, and it's been a mess ever since. But we're learning the knowledge of the glory to stay above the natural realm, in, in the glory realm, and to live in that realm, be sealed in that realm, and to never come down from that realm. Amen? There's a seal of His love, and His love is His glory, that He places in your mind. Every time a seal is mentioned in the book of Revelation, it says forehead. Why forehead? Because you're transfigured by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2. That's where the seal of the glory and the knowledge of the glory is placed on your mind. And the angel feathers, when they've been falling this week, it symbolizes being sealed in a higher realm of His glory and His love, in a higher realm of His favor, His grace. And He wants you to keep going. I mean, we haven't really seen what's available in Christianity yet. We haven't. Even the mightiest men and women of God, Ruth Heflin, Joshua Mills, <laughs> I mean, my list of, of my heroes of the glory realm and uh, the Apostle Paul's on the top of that list, and, you know, <laughs> so many prophets and so many apostles and so many people in the world now operating in realms. Charlie Robinson, has, he's named revivals. You know, there's just so many. Todd Bentley, bless his heart, he was used mightily by God. You know, Patricia King, you know, and it's like anyone that's been used of God. I don't care what you, how you feel about any leaders. People have problems with Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Hagan and, and the Word of Faith. And I'm telling you, God still used them. you got to go above the accusation of the snakes. That's one of the main things that Satan tempts you is to judge leaders. Just, don't, you're, Satan will tempt, tempt you to judge me. If you're judging Bill Johnson and you're judging Rick Joyner, it's just a matter of time before you judge Brandon Marthrop because that's a religious spirit. You have to go above that because love covers. Love covers. I mean, if you think you're so wise that you're do, you could do a better job than all these leaders in Christianity, then go volunteer in their ministry and serve them if you're better than them. If you know better, go to where they are and see for yourself if the Holy Spirit's working in that realm. Because I know a lot of these places that people are critical of, the Holy Spirit's still working there. Now, He may not be working there at a huge sonship level of the manifest white throne judgment seat of Christ and the four living creatures and the lightnings and the thunders and the new wine and the oil and perfect promised land ministry. But I tell you what, they still have rewards for whatever participation they had with the Holy Spirit. God loves them perfectly because this thing is not performance-based. That if anyone even partnered with the Father to release even a little bit of His nature, they're rewarded for eternity. And if you're critical of all the rest of the stuff that's just human, well, that's what's to be expected. Because no, it's supernatural and it's a miracle that anyone can release even a small aspect of the multifaceted wisdom of the diamond mind of Christ. It's a miracle. Because it didn't exist in the natural realm. The fact that any of Christ, the Creator, is able to get through their spirit and their soul, through their heart and out their head, and through their flesh, is a miracle. It's actually the greatest miracle of all time that your body can be the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's no greater miracle than being in an encapsulating realm 
of the kingdom of heaven. That's because that's actually the restoration of all things. That is the perfect new covenant. That what was lost in the fall is now restored through Christ. And not everyone's mind is renewed in the same measure of revelation, but you need to learn how to love everyone on the mountain. If you want to be a part of throne room glory, you want to be a part of the cherubim tribe, you have to learn how to love perfectly. Otherwise, you'll just come under the condemnation of the devil because it's all grace and none of it's earned. And when you start to get revelation of the realm of the cherubim and the realm of the living creatures and the realm of the rainbow throne of Christ, the greatest temptation is to get puffed up with pride. And when you get puffed up with pride because you heard all about this stuff, but you haven't really begun walking in love, you actually get seven times more wicked because Satan has a tremendous amount of revelation. The fallen angel formerly known as Lucifer, who was a covering cherubim according to Ezekiel 28, was the most revelation-filled of all angels. So the full nature of the devil himself is having all the information about the glory, all the information about God and the kingdom, all the information, all the revelation, but not walking in love. That's why we have 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I have all the revelation of the angels, but have not love, I am nothing. It is written. So love is the experience of revelation. And if you don't do anything with the revelation to come into a deeper encounter of the love, you actually begin to look and act and be like the fallen angels. Because those angels are the ones that taught men how to war, they taught sorcery, they taught woman makeup, they taught how to make alcohol according to the book of Enoch. All the weapons and for destruction and all the sorceries that are down here, even to this very moment, of everything that kills, steals, and destroys, mostly religions and rebellions and white and black witchcraft of the magic arts, all of that stuff was taught by Satan and his angels to all the nations. So we think we're better now that we're Christians and we're learning revelation, but that's revelation apart from love. The magic arts are revelations apart from love. Operating in witchcraft like a Jezebel, like a false prophet, as having knowledge without the river of love, the river of glory, the river of life. So it's the greatest temptation to get puffed up in pride. You've got to stay humble. You have to understand grace. A revelation of His grace in your heart is the most powerful thing that will keep you sealed in the glory of God because you know you can't earn it and you're just in love. The moment you think you've deserved it, because you did something for it. Look at all the money I gave for it. Look at all the stuff we're doing for it. You know, that's when you actually come under the condemnation of the devil and you actually leave the glory and you can have a fading glory at that moment and be deceived by a fading glory when you get puffed up with pride. You were once in the glory. You once had the glory within you. But if you ever get out of the love and the grace of the Father that's the gift of Jesus Christ fully formed in you, you go back into the wilderness and sometimes they slip back into Egypt and they slip back into Sodom externally and they become a fading glory 
They once walked in a tremendous amount of glory. They once walked in apostolic springs and prophetic reigns. They once walked as the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then they thought it was about them. And they thought they had done something for it. They thought they were something special. And they didn't understand the, the grace of the apostolic and the grace of the prophetic and the grace of the revelations and the grace of the Lord Jesus. And then they started slipping down the mountain. Next thing you know, they're worse off than the evangelicals because they get into accusation and strife. I once walked in the glory. Ten years ago, I was a part of the drunken glory. Well, what are you doing now? Why did you backslide so far? You know, I, I look at them, I check up on people, and if people didn't stay conditioned by the revelation of the Father's grace and love in their hearts, they're seven times more bitter right now than when I met them. I mean, they was better off having, if they had never gone into the glory than their current condition. Now, we're talking about hundreds of people that I, that I check up on. It's like, man, you should have stayed in the glory. Why did you leave the glory? Because Satan and his angels tempted you in the natural realm to do something in the flesh. And you lost the faith. And your faith shrank. And you stop growing your faith. If you ever stop growing in the faith of Christ, you'll start, you'll start shriveling in the death of unbelief and in the death of doubt. That's how they died in the wilderness, by doubt and unbelief. Those are the snakes and the scorpions of the testing in the wilderness. And if you don't pass the tests of your testing in your own heart by being conditioned by His love and grace, the snakes and scorpions will defeat you. And I've seen them defeat hundreds of people already. And how you win the wilderness and how you win against doubt and how you win against unbelief and the snakes and scorpions of Egypt and Sodom that come and try to pull you back into the realm of the dead after you're born again, after you cross the Red Sea, is you have to have a full foundation of the grace of the Lord Jesus in your spirit and in your soul, building on the solid rock of Christ in your heart. And then he can do anything. He can build higher than the heavens. He can build the third heavens up in your heart, higher than the second heavens. And he can make you a pillar of Shekinah glory in the temple of my God in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for the overcomers. I pray for everyone watching at the sound of my voice that you'd be strengthened strengthened with the faith of Jesus, strengthened in your belly, strengthened in your heart, strengthened in your spirit, strengthened in your soul by the love and by the grace of our Heavenly Father to overcome anything that's pulling you back into the realm of the dead in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. If you want to check out the free schools, check them out, redlettermen.com. We love you guys. Be blessed. We'll see you tomorrow. Amen.